Oh, man, good to see you. As, as Ricky mentioned, today uh, is, is a huge day for us as a church and, uh, because we're, we're, we're talking about one of the most imp- important things that we do, uh, the most important thing that we do, and that, that centers around relationships and community uh, and specifically how that applies within our life groups. And so if you are a first-time visitor today, you picked an amazing day to be here because you're going to have an opportunity to really get to hear and hopefully experience what is the lifeblood of who we are as a church. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about life groups, but Pastor Rick, our lead pastor, for those of you who may not be aware, we have 18 campuses across the state. And uh, we, we launched as a campus, as I just mentioned, almost 17 years ago. And uh, in this campus, uh, we've been around for about seven years now, uh, give or take, I think seven years. Uh, but uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Rick, when he started this church, he started it with the premise of relationships. And that no matter what we did on the weekend, no matter what our services looked like on the weekend, that the building block of who we were was going to happen outside of the four walls of the church. And it was going to happen in people's homes. It was going to happen around coffee tables and coffee and chocolate chip cookies in relationship with other people. And we've always said as a church that we do not want to be a church that just has life groups. We want to be a life group church. We want to be a church where people are connecting in smaller groups. And so before we get into the message, let's listen to this this quick video from our pastor, Rick Bazette. Hey, New Life Church. What a great weekend we have in store talking about relationships. And how do we do that? You know, New Life Church keeps growing larger and larger, but how do we keep relationships around the vision with the values of NLC? Well, we do it in life groups. Life groups, it's the most important thing that we talk about after you give your heart to the Lord. It's right there. You get baptism and then relationships. How do we do it at New Life Church? Through our groups, through small groups. And in fact, when we pick a campus pastor, clearly we are looking for people who are called, who have integrity. The Bible says it's harder to get behind a pulpit than it is to get to heaven. You have to be ready. But what else do we look for? We look for pastors who love people, who love relationships. And at NLC, it's very frustrating when you're a pastor who loves people and you look around and you see some of the people who are not involved in relationships. So it's a goal of ours. Why? Because we know we can't pastor the whole group unless they have friends, friends that will pray with them, friends that really care. When I first got saved, I started going to a church that had it together. Great preaching, great worship. I loved going there. But when I tried to get involved relationally, there was no one there. I couldn't find a friend. I couldn't find anyone to pray with me. I couldn't find a small group to learn the word. I would put down my phone number on a piece of paper and no one would call me back. And they weren't even trying. I was trying, but they weren't trying. Here at New Life Church, we want to try. Now, the fact is, I'm sure some of you have tried to get involved relationally and maybe we didn't do so well, but we're still trying. Would you please keep trying to? That's the reason why we started life groups. In the early church, you can tell it was important to God. If you want to know what the Lord really cares about, go to the early church and see the original design. 
Yes, they were growing larger, sometimes 3,000 people in a day, but they were growing smaller too. They did it in homes. They did it in life groups. They did it in small groups. The Bible says they were sharing everything they had with glad and sincere hearts. This is how you grow in Christ. So I'm asking all of you, please give life groups a chance. We have a plethora of different type of life groups, but please get connected. You'll never be pastored properly until you're connected into the church. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 20 that there is just one body of Christ, but many parts. Well, if the many parts are not connected, then we're never going to be the church that God wants it to be. This reminds me of when I was a kid, I was playing football outside and I was running with the ball and someone tackled me, cheap shot. But I started sliding on the ground. But what I didn't know is that I broke my arm. It was a severe break. And immediately I was in a lot of pain. But since I was connected, I started trying to help that pain. Uh, My arm, my hand, my right hand reached over and grabbed my left arm. My shoulder was holding up my body. and The blood was pumping to it. And my mouth was trying to get in on it, yelling, help, help, help. Even my eyes as a little kid, they were, there was tears. It was like rain falling. The reason why everything was doing its part is because I was connected. And I just want to let you know, that's the only way we can pastor well. Please, the days that we live in, we have to have relationships. So at New Life Church, we have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have marriage and family. We have college. We have YA young adults. We have recreational groups. We have Bible studies where they open up the word and they teach the word. We have connect groups for the new people. We have serve groups that are serving right now at different departments in our church. And throughout the week, we have outreach and missions groups done a lot through the dream center. We have student groups for real life and 412. We have other groups as well. Please If you're going to be a part of New Life Church, would you help us connect one another? If we do it that way, we can be just like the church was intended to be, relationally with them and with one another. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate uh, the heart of our our lead pastor. I've known Pastor Rick for a long time now, and... uh, He's a friend. He's my pastor. He's those things way before he's ever a boss to me. But the thing that I appreciate about him is how much he cares for people individually. It is not uncommon for us on staff to get a text from Pastor Rick just saying, hey, how's so-and-so doing? I want you to think about that. I mean, he, he's, he's pastoring a church that's pretty big. Uh, there's several thousand people but his heart is connected to the heart of God to go after the one remembering remembering the one and understanding how important they are and so he'll ask us and and it's amazing that's something that I pray for and sometimes the Lord helps me see that like he'll just drop a name in my heart like where's this person how are they doing and I'll text him or call him or follow up with him Honestly, it's a lot like that new song that we sang today. I love that song. Just talking about 
the love of God and how it pursues us. Leaving the 99 to go after the one. And I believe that that is a word for some of you today. That the Lord is pursuing you. In spite of where you're at and the circumstance that you're in, or the sin that you're in, the addiction that you're in, whatever it is, God is aggressively pursuing you. He wants you to be healed and set free. I believe that as a church, if we partner with other churches, we can be a place that takes care of people better than anything else on the planet. Better than any kind of social program, better than any kind of government program, better than anything that is out there. I believe that the church should be the place where people are taken care of better than anywhere else. But this is what I also believe. I don't believe it'll happen without people being connected in community. I don't believe it'll happen without people being connected in life groups, in small groups. And so, I'm asking you, will we not just listen to what Pastor Rick is saying, but will we actually engage in what Pastor Rick is saying and do what he asks us to do? I'm going to give a message today. It talks about relationships, and I believe if you'll apply what I talk about, it's going to help you tremendously. But I want you to write this down. Friendships without foundation fail. Friendships without foundation fails. How many of y'all remember when you were in high school coming into your senior year, you know, everybody like had their crew. Hey, guys and girls, you had your boys, you know, ride or die, homes. Like you, these are your guys that you like, you were just tight with these guys and your girls and your girlfriends and all that. And remember like right around the last week and everybody had their yearbooks and you're all signing like best friends forever. And, you know, we're, we're just, if a friend's a friend forever, the Lord's the Lord of them, you know, and quoting Michael W. Smith and stuff like that. And just like, just so dedicated, like no matter what happens, no matter where you go, even if though we're going to different schools, we're going to be BFS forever and ever and ever. And then just a few years later, <laughs> you know, you're a ride or die homes. <laughs> you don't ever even talk to them. You know, you don't see them. Girls are like, you know, you get on Facebook. Oh, wow, I haven't seen Susie for 10 years. She's put on some weight. My goodness. <laughs> but those relationships that you thought because, man, it's just high school. Like the best. You thought, man, you're going to have those relationships forever. <laughs> and maybe you do still have some friends from high school, but on the whole, you don't. Does that mean that those relationships weren't important, like they didn't matter? Were they just superficial? No, it doesn't mean that. What happened was that the foundation that they were established on no longer exists. And because the foundation that they were built upon no longer exists, the relationships don't exist. And it's not that it was a bad foundation. It just wasn't the foundation that you're living on now. <laughs> At least I hope so. Some of you, you're like 33 years old and still living on the foundation of high school. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. Mom wants you to move out. It's time. Like it's... <laughs> I could have just seriously offended somebody. But uh, some of y'all are like boomerangs. They try to throw you out, but you just keep on coming right back around. So... It's all right. You might just be in a season. But you have to have a foundation. 
Many people go through life wondering why you don't have any real relationships and real community. And typically the reason why is because you don't have any foundation with those people. And if you do have a foundation, it's the wrong foundation. If you want to build godly relationships and relationships that really matter, you've got to build it on the right foundation. So today I want to give you like kind of like a little guide to how do you build those types of relationships? What are the elements of the foundation that I believe the word of God would point us to, that God would want us to have when it comes to relationships that matter and that mean something? And I think you have to start by recognizing a couple of things. First of all, a, a good foundation, it's going to take time and work. And that is difficult because we live in a culture and a society where we get what we want when we want it, like immediate gratification, right? Like if you're feeling a little tired, there is a coffee shop on every corner. A little hungry, you know? The golden arches of doom are at every exit, like beckoning you to your destruction because... Because when you are hungry, you should get it your way right away. You know, you, you, it's, we're in a fast, fast food culture. When we get instant gratification, feeling a little lonely one a day, you don't have to actually go out and pursue people. You can just click a couple buttons on a phone and get connected to your perfect match right away. No effort whatsoever. You know, but the reality is anything that's going to mean something is going to take time and work. Anybody ever built a house before? Anybody ever built a house before? Not like you did it, but maybe you had somebody do it, like you had a house built for you, okay. Well, I remember when we were building our house, and we were really excited, um, and, and they started the dirt work, so they, they went and did the dirt work, and then it just felt like time stopped as they were working on the foundation. Like, it felt like that slab, that foundation took, I don't know, seven, eight years. It felt that way. Now, part of the reason why it felt that way is because at that time, we were renting a house that was about 1,400 square feet with the six of us. And, and, uh, and so we were about to lose our salvation. We were about to lose all of our relationship with our family. Like, it was, but we were just, just like, God, Why? Does this have to take so long? And I, and I know the Lord spoke to me during that. James, you really want your foundation to be done quickly. Do you really want the thing that this investment that you're going to build be built on something that is not sure? Or do you want it to be done right? I'm like, I want it to be done right because this thing is expensive and I don't want to have issues later on. And so that takes time. The word of God talks about this. In Luke 14, verse 20, it says, is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the costs so you know that you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, then you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something that he couldn't finish. So here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for you as an individual, you as a family, to evaluate where you're at with relationships. Are you building a foundation 
for true friendships and relationships? Are you living life in such a way that you have the margin for what the word clearly communicates? That outside of salvation, marriage covenant is the most important thing that you have time and that you invest into relationships. And just like your house, if you will build the right foundation, you will get to build something that you get to enjoy, that will be fulfilling, that will create memories, that will allow you to live the life and life to the full that Jesus came to give us if your foundation is strong. So what should your foundation be built on? First thing, friendships are founded in Christ. They have to start there. It says in Matthew 7, 24, these words I speak to you, not incidental additions to your life, not just homeowner improvements. This is the message translation. To your standard of living. They are um, foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, then you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, and a tornado hit. We know about all these things in Arkansas. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. So Jesus is talking to us about our personal relationship with him. But if having a good foundation or having Jesus at the center is what gives us a good foundation personally, then it certainly applies to the relationships that we have with other people. Our lives should be founded in him, but our relationships should be founded in him as well. And the word of God is chock full of examples of these friendships that were centered around Christ. And so they were friendships that just went through anything and held strong. Paul and Timothy is a great example of that. Message translation again in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. It says, every time I say your name in prayer, this is Paul talking to Timothy, his friend, which is, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you. The God I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. That precious memory triggers another, your honest faith, and what rich faith it is handed down to you from your grandmother Lois and your mother uh, Eunice, and now to you. Okay, so what I'm not saying is I expect all the dudes in our church, like, you need to have the kind of friendships that when you say goodbye, it is hard. And you cry a little bit. But if you understood the context of Paul's relationship with Timothy, then you would understand what he was talking about. Because this wasn't a relationship where they like met on vacation and everything was just really nice and cool and a lot of relaxation. No, these guys built a relationship centered around persecution. They were in prison together. When Paul was beaten, when Paul went through the persecution he went through, a lot of times Timothy was right there with him. And so when you go through things like that with someone, and you know the emotion, the pain, the joy, everything that encompasses working around the things of God and having a faith 
that is eternal and full of faith and not controlled and determined by the situation and circumstance that you're in, when you have those kinds of relationships and you have to say goodbye to them for whatever amount of time, it does pull at you because you're connected through something that is indescribable, your relationship with Jesus. And that's the relationship that these, these guys had. And so the question is, what are your relationships centered around? And I, I want to just say this right now. I am not suggesting that you abandon every relationship with every person that is a non-believer. That's not what I'm saying at all. And in many cases, God has probably positioned you in their lives because they need salt and light. But your best friends, the people that you are leaning on, the people that you are sharing the most with, if you want to have a good foundation, it has to start with Christ. It has to start with Jesus at the center. All of us need relationships that when we're going through something in life, we know that we're not just leaning on their knowledge. We're not just leaning on what they think. But they're leaning on the word of God. And they're going to encourage us not with their sense of right and wrong and their sense of truth. They're going to encourage us with eternal truth. And we have to have relationships that are centered in Christ to be able to have that kind of encouragement. I have a lot of relationships like this where our mutual love for Christ is what really holds us together. Because when I go through something, I need them. And they're going to remind me of God's promises. When they're going through something, I'm going to do the same thing for them. So for us, if you're going through something, if, if you've got some, some hang-ups from your past or things you're just struggling with, we have life groups that can help. We have a divorce care group. We have a group that helps specifically with people who struggle with PTSD. We have groups that, that help people get past their addictions, that get past the past wounds and hurts emotionally, relationally that people are struggling with. You need relationships that are centered around Jesus and the word of God. Another thing, friendships are founded in common interests. So not everything is super epic and super spiritual sometimes you just need people that like what you like, that you can hang out with. Now, a lot of you, you don't have, this is not a weak part of your foundation. If this is, if we're talking about different elements of a, of a strong foundation, this is not one of the ones that you struggle with because this is a natural tendency inside of all of us that we want to be around people that do the same things that we do. The question is, do you have those friends with similar interests that have Jesus in it, that have the body of Christ in it. Because that's when it's really fulfilling and exciting. But the early church clearly demonstrates how important it is that you have common interests. It says in Acts 2, verse 46, Day after day they met in the temple, continuing with one mind, and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts. Praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Now you can see a lot of the spiritual elements that are happening around the earlier church. But you know what I see? Food. 
food. Because the universal thing that holds us all together is fried food. Not just food, fried food, okay? Because they, they were sharing, but it wasn't just that they were eating together. They were talking about their relationship with Jesus. And so we have groups that are like that. There's special interest groups, things that people are doing they like to do together. We've had Pinterest groups. Bless them, God. Uh, we've, we, I mean, we've had bowling groups. We've had bike riding groups. We've had motorcycle groups. We've had, we've had groups where they're just, but they're, they're weaving that in to their relationship with Christ and how it connects to the body of Christ. We need people that have like interests, just like us. Also, friendships are founded in true community. True community. What I mean by that, just simply people that are in the same stage of life that you're in, that you're living through right now. I, I remember when Cody and I first got married, we waited a few years before we started having kids. We were like around 26 before we started having kids. But I remember those early years when we were working in youth ministry and college ministry, and, and I remember us like mocking people. Like they have kids, they're like, losers. <laughs> they left the party at seven whatever. <laughs> and what is up with it taking them three hours to get ready to do anything and go anywhere? Oh, they're buying a minivan. Ha! Oh, and then we had kids. <laughs> and things changed. Now, I will say this. I don't know that you understand what it really means to be a parent when you have just one kid. Because that, that, that's kind of like an accessory. It's like, a, it's like a really fun, cute little living accessory. And you get to buy all this kind of stuff for them. But it's still, I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard. But it's different. Because when you have two kids, it's five times more. It's just everything. It's just, it's just so no, I'm not slamming kid people that only have one kid. I'm just saying, I'm saying when you have more kids, there's a lot more to this. And because this is what it's like. Okay, young married couples or, or, or just whoever who doesn't have kids out there. If you're sitting around your house one day and you're just like, hmm, I think I'd like to leave the house now. <laughs> this is what that looks like. You stand up. You walk over to the door. And open the door. You walk out. And you leave the house. When you have children? <laughs> have you seen the tax code book? You know what that looks like? The process of getting a child ready to leave the house is literally an act of Congress to make this happen. Because it's like, well, we got to make sure you have change of clothes. Because what if they have a blowout in their diaper? Make sure you have 18 diapers. Make sure you have 13 binkies. Make sure you have, because, you know, when you have your first kid, there's no way you're just going to pick a passy up off the ground and wipe it off and put it back in your kid's mouth. No, you are going to incinerate that thing because it now possesses some sort of germ. You're concerned that would kill your kid. Yeah, three kids, you don't even care at that point. You just <laughs> stick it back in there. I'm sure they got a strong immune system. <laughs> They'll be fine. But the process of doing anything is so much greater. Like if you want to go out with four kids, 
And they are all under the age of seven. You better wake up and start in the morning if you want to leave by seven that night. Like it's going to be an all day process. Where are my parents out in the room? Come on, y'all aren't amening loud enough because this is good preaching. But when we had our kids, it took a few months. But then I realized, like, look, I can't, I'm not, I can't, I can't stay up till two in the morning, slamming monster drinks, eating Cheetos, been watching Lost, and playing, playing Xbox anymore. Like, I can't do this because I am no longer in that phase of life. I have a minivan, <laughs> and they are amazing. That key fob opens every door, every compartment on that thing. You just hop in practically drives itself. It's amazing. But I'm in a different season of life. And I need people around me that understand the season of life that I'm in so they can relate to me. There's examples throughout the word. They're like this. Elizabeth and Mary, okay? Uh, Elizabeth and Mary, they both got pregnant close to the same time by different means, one by the Holy Spirit, the other natural ways, but, but Elizabeth, Elizabeth was really old. So they're both understanding this miraculous conception. They had that, that they could relate to. Like who else is out there? It's like, Hey, Oh, you're pregnant too. Who's, who's the dad? Oh, that's cool. Mine's God. (laughs) So, Oh, you don't relate. Okay. So you have, I have this miraculous pregnancy. Well, Elizabeth had a miraculous pregnancy too. And so they had a relationship where they pursued each other. It says that Mary, as soon as she found out that Elizabeth was pregnant too, she traveled to Elizabeth. She went out of her way. She spent three months investing in that relationship away from her family. She went and built a relationship with somebody that was in the same season of life and it brought joy and understanding and hope into her life no matter where you're at or what you're going through you can know that there is someone who can relate to you and one of the greatest lies of the enemy would be that he would try to convince you that you're the only one that knows what it feels like to be in the season of life that you're in. It's not true. And so we have life groups for people in different seasons of life where you can relate. Like Pastor Rick mentioned, we have young adults, we have young marrieds, we have families with kids. And we're getting ready to strengthen what we would call our demographics. Where we're going to go back to what we started with as a church. Early on, all of our life groups happen in those seasons and phases of life. So that any person walking into our church, there were people that would just be looking like, oh, they're, they're, I can tell they're in the same season of life that we're in. And they would go and introduce themselves to them and invite them to a life group and make sure that they are connected and make sure that they know that they're not alone, that there are people that are living in that same season of life. Also, friendships founded in calling. Another element of a good foundation relationally this is not one that I'm weak at because this is the one I spend the most amount of time working on because every day I get to work around people that have the same calling that I have. And it's a blast. And I love that. 
I love that I, I get to be around amazing pastors, and I love my staff, and I love the people that, that God has positioned me around to learn from, and, and Pastor Rick, and, and Pastor Harry, and these guys, that I'm, we're all pursuing this calling of full-time ministry, and some of you are like, that's great, but not everybody can be a pastor at New Life Church. Well, that's true. But you all are called to the ministry. Every one of you are a minister of the gospel. And it is very important that you see beyond your day in and day out process of your work and begin to see how the kingdom and eternity is connected right where you're at. And that you find people and it may not be in your office and it may not even be at your job, but you find somebody who understands the importance of pursuing calling in the midst of your profession, that you are pursuing the kingdom of God and pursuing people to understand the kingdom of God, to understand eternity. All of us have people that we work around and some of you are like, I've, I hope he's not saying that those are supposed to be my closest friends. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying this, that in addition to your work, there is a purpose that is bigger than just your job. And, and I believe it's important that you see your calling within the framework of the job that you have, but I also think it's important that in addition to what you do for your career, for your job, then you find ways that you are building the kingdom of God, that you are pursuing your calling as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us need this. This is a foundational element that is so important. And there's a lot of ways that people do that around our church. Because you have to know that the people that serve here and all these classrooms, all those people that are taking care of the kids and the babies and, and changing diapers and all that and greeting at the doors and all those people, they have full-time jobs. They have careers. They have all of that. But they understand that in addition to their job, they have to pursue eternal purpose. They have to build the kingdom of God. It's important that we see a calling and that we're pursuing that with other people. And the good news is this. Jesus picked ordinary people. And if you studied the disciples, these guys, they were fishermen. They are tax collectors. They were outcasts. They were ordinary. But Jesus called them. And he said, look, you... you you're not just going to be fishers of fish, but you're going to be a fisher of men. You're, I'm going to teach you how to have a calling. And then you're going to have some other guys that you're going to do this calling with. And it's going to be the most fulfilling life that you've ever experienced when you see the kingdom of God. But he did tell them, like at one point or another, you've got to make the decision to get out of your comfort zone. And that's exactly what he did with a couple of the disciples. Like, look, you've got to come out of your boat, says fisherman. You've got to come out of your comfort zone. You've got, you got to drop your nets. You've got to drop the past. You've got to drop your preconceived notions. 
and then you've got to follow me. And so the, the disclaimer is this. I'm not telling you that that means you're supposed to leave your job. Maybe you're supposed to. I don't know. I'm certainly not saying that you're supposed to leave your family or anything else. I'm just saying this. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is the kingdom work that he is asking you to do that is a part of your calling? And who are you supposed to be doing that with? And I believe that if you can answer that question, if you can find those people and find your calling and serve with someone to fulfill that calling, it's one of the most amazing foundational elements and most fulfilling relationships that you could ever experience. And so with that, we have all of our serve teams. We have Dream Center. We have other outreaches that we do but it's all focused on giving people an opportunity to be connected in their eternal purpose and their relationship with Jesus. Look, every, every fall, every, every spring, we have our life groups. And I do my best as a pastor to make as sincere of a plea that I possibly can for people to be connected And just like Pastor Rick says, it can be very frustrating when I still see people that don't have community, that don't have relationship. And it's not that I'm mad at you, it's that I hurt for you. I hurt for you because you're missing out on one of the most fulfilling things that you can experience. I'm also hurting for you because I know that at some point or another, there's gonna be something that you wanna celebrate. And the only thing that you can do is go to social media and let everybody know, and they may not even really care. Or at one point or another, you're gonna have something tragic that happens in your life. And social media can help with prayer, but it's never gonna help with true relationship when those things happen. And I find as a pastor, I get a lot of calls in different situations and different circumstances. But the most tragic ones are when I get a call and I find out that the person that is going through whatever they're going through, the loss of a loved one or whatever, they just aren't connected in community. They don't have those friends to call on. Outside of their immediate family, they don't have community. They don't have that. And uh, and I want everybody to have that. I want every person in this church to understand that the church is not actually what you're sitting in right now. It's the relationships. It's being interwoven and connected to the whole body through relationships. And I believe that that is something that God desires for every single one of us. Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I want to pray for anybody in this room. I I understand some of the hesitancies that can come with with relationships. I talk to a lot of people. A lot of times the the biggest thing that keeps them from, from really being connected and open to being connected in relationship with other people is, is they got hurt. 
got hurt. They tried, they, got, they opened up, and they got hurt. Well, I, I, I will say this. I cannot guarantee that you will never be hurt in relationships. In fact, there's a good chance you will, but that doesn't mean they're not worth it. That doesn't mean that you abandon the idea altogether. But sometimes it means you do need some healing. If you're here today and, and you've just been hurt, you've been hurt in relationships before, and you know that that is keeping you from being open and being willing to be vulnerable and transparent and real again in relationships, I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right now? You've, just, you've been hurt in relationships before, and that's why it's hard for you to be open to relationships. Just keep your hands up. Father God, I pray over every one of these people right now in the name of Jesus, I speak your healing power. I pray, God, that the wounds that were caused through relationships in their past and whatever that was, whatever happened there, God, whatever that hurt is, I pray in the name of Jesus that your grace and your love, God, I pray forgiveness in the name of Jesus. God, they may not be able to remove the memory, but they can walk in forgiveness. God, I thank you that right now you're healing the hurt, you're healing the pain, And God, giving them the strength and the boldness and the courage to be open again to pursuing relationships, to being connected with other people. I thank you for them. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you can't, you have to start with that first foundational piece and that is a relationship centered in Christ. That starts with you being centered in Christ. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and if you would like to do that today, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to rededicate your life maybe and come back to him. If you're here and you're ready to call on Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you. Nobody looking around. If that's you, put your hand up right now. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I need a relationship with Jesus today. I'm ready to call on him as my Lord and Savior. Anybody in this place? Okay, got it. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I need a relationship with him. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Got it. Okay. Anybody else? Every person that just raised your hand, the word says, if you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you can be saved. You can make a personal decision right there in your seat, but at one point or another, you need to go public with this decision and tell somebody about it. Water baptism is one of the greatest ways you can go public with the decision to follow Jesus. But I encourage you just to tell somebody after the service, hey, I made a decision today to follow Jesus. Go right there in your chair, just talk to him. And just say this, say, God, I I know that I can't save myself. I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And God, I don't want to live the way I've been living. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for the world. I want to live for you. So I repent. I stop and I turn away from living the way that I've been living. And right now I confess you as my Lord. I want to give my life to you. I thank you that that as my Lord, you forgive me and you save me from my sin. Help me to understand relationship with you and also relationship with others.
as you as my foundation. I thank you for that. God, help us as a church, Lord, to respond to what is clearly being communicated through your Holy Spirit and through your word. Help us, God, to be tied in to real and deep relationships. They're one of the greatest manifestations of your power and what you would want to do in our lives. We thank you for that. Thank you for giving us a relational church where we can grow in number and and reach more and more people, but grow smaller at the same time and be connected in relationships. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I think we had five or six people raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give them a clap. Let's give the Lord some praise in this place.